Howdy strangers, Al Mirabella here, the host of High Strangeness, a podcast about beliefs and the people that believe them. Holy cow, we got a great show for you this week. We have writer, editor, maven of gigcraft, YouTube vlogger, River Chow. We're going to talk about tarot. We're going to talk about the law of attraction. We're going to talk about some other metaphysical stuff. But beforehand, we're going to talk about the creative process, and you're going to get to know her, and you're really going to enjoy it. I promise you, if that or your money back, you didn't pay for this. It starts right now. It's like I've realized over the last, well, more so probably the last two to four years that everything that I have regrets about or or have those moments of like, which I honestly don't have a lot of these moments anymore because I'm very much like I am actually kind of okay with where everything's heading and the people that I have in my life now. But the regrets that I've had or things that I've thought about that I wish I could change I look back at it and I'm in a place of, I guess, being aware enough and being quote unquote woke to look back and say, oh, I was toxic. I was problematic. I was the center of my universe in a non, you know, supportive way and very, you know, a defeatist kind of a a mindset about things, which unfortunately dictated a lot of my decision making, you know, so like going into a certain program or pursuing a certain thing and, and not, you know, holding myself up to a certain standard, and therefore, one, letting people treat me a certain way, and two, unregulating how I would treat other people, you know, I can, I could, I've looked back at like, you know, I had a a really bad relationship with a guy when I was 19 and I I describe it as mentally and verbally abusive because he would gaslight me so much and really mess with my head and as much as like I could in the past I may have put blame on well he did that to me but I think a more mature outlook is well I played a part in it I might not have known better at the time that I allowed someone in my life or I allowed myself to continue answering the phone or going over to hang out or whatever. I may not have known better, but that was also my responsibility. So I cringe at the past, but it's, it's, I think those moments where we have regrets or we look back and have some sort of regret about it, it really informs us of who we are now and like how we want to navigate our lives going forward. So I think it's good to have, I think, yeah, I think it's good to have some regrets. I think that's kind of the conclusion I'm coming to here, my dude. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that there's like, there's definitely a difference between having regrets because of, you know, yourself and having regrets because of your actions are, are two different things. And like, it kind of reminds me of when I was a younger person and I saw like, you know, I thought about prayer it was like oh prayer is a thing that you do to ask for something for yourself and as i got older i mean like i didn't even differentiate i wasn't differentiating differentiating that like my mom was asking for prayers for our family and i was asking for like a nintendo gamecube like those they were just it was just you know well that's what mom wants and then i like got a little older and i realized like oh you know in the same way that you can like I, I no longer, I try and live outside of the realm of nothing that I do am I doing for myself. I'm, you know, I'm doing it. And I don't even want to say that I'm doing it for everybody else. I do things because that is what is being done. I'm trying to be a conscious awareness living in the present 
which is, I think, what Ram Dass would have wanted me to be. Uh, you know, like I am, I am trying to be a sense of loving awareness. And you know, if down the line, if I, uh, you know, if I have a podcast that ten thousand people subscribe to, that will be tight. And if I have a podcast that I do for five people because I like doing it, that will also be tight. But the difference is that I'm not doing anything for ten thousand people or doing it for five people. I'm doing it because it's the thing that is being done and it's like my act of service into the universe because you know i think that we need more positivity out there yeah absolutely and i i like that you say that because i have a similar feeling about my youtube channel like specifically like the the mentality of i'm not creating or doing this thing because i want the (laughs) the numerical validation right the number of subscribers or listeners the downloads the the engagement whatever which is cool but I'm not do that's not the like front of the burner of the stove type of motivation. Like it I would like that to happen, but it am I gonna stop because that doesn't happen? No. But I, you know, it, do the thing because I've, you know, asked myself enough internally and and however which way I, I go about it of what do I really wanna do and how do I really wanna spend my time? And also getting the feedback of when I do things that I actually enjoy for the sake of enjoyment and because, you know, it, it seems fun and I have the feedback of I really like, like this made my day or, you know, I love watching your stuff or reading your writing or what have you. And I think, you know, even most, <laughs> of the feedback I've gotten has been from my best friends and my boyfriend, which is fine. But I'm also like, you know, if, if it works for them, maybe like one stranger, one other person may come across this thing and it just be a moment of not existential crisis or not what, like worrying about whatever you're worrying about. Like just, just it has good intent and it is what it is. It exists to be, not to insist upon achieving something for the sake of achieving it i will say that uh i was watching your blanket fort video earlier today and your videos have a somewhat i watched a couple of them there's like an almost asmr like oh this is just a relaxing thing to have on in the background quality Um, i used to be friends with this person um who watched a lot of like mom vlogs and I thought that it was because they were a lady who wanted to be a mom. But she was like, oh, I don't even want to be a mom. I just think that these vlogs are relaxing. And I was like, how could a mom vlog be relaxing? And I remember she showed me one of them. I was like, oh, damn, this is just a thing that can be on in the background. It's like, oh, you got some like some soothing music. You're just like slowly talking about your day, narrating how things went. Hell yeah, I'm with that. Like, it feels like getting a facial on your brain. You're like, oh, <laughs> great. Love that. You're just getting a little smoother. I will say that going back to, like, you know, why are people creating content? I have talked to a lot of people about this this thing where I, I used to make music, and I don't really make music anymore. But when I started making music, I was making music for myself, which is how a lot of people start making music. And as I started playing shows and, you know, releasing music and having a small following, I stopped. Like, it was never a big thing, but it became a thing that I was doing for everybody else and at the end whenever i like quit i say that i've retired from making music people will be like oh well you should still make music for you and like i can't do that it's just that has been soiled for me anytime i sit down and try and write something it is now is in my head like 
what will people think about when they hear this? Um, but that's that's hard to live with, especially considering like as a creative person, and you might agree with this, I have to make stuff. Like mm-hmm. when I'm not making stuff, it is there is a noticeable decline in my like mental projection because I, and I don't have to put out stuff. I just like to make stuff. Like I believe that that creators and artists are the last true wizards, you know, the last true magicians, because you're taking and you're making something out of nothing, which is what is alchemy, what is magic besides making something out of nothing. And more specifically, the interesting thing about art is the art that you make could never be made by anybody else ever. When you're making art, even if it is within a certain style or genre or vein, it's still like that thing did not exist it had not made it into this material plane of consciousness until you took it out of your brain and put it on a piece of paper or recorded it into a computer or released it onto the internet or whatever. Like, it, it, it was not there, you know? It was, we were in a world devoid of this episode of this podcast until this episode of this podcast came out. And that's like, that's what I get pleasure out of. I'm not, like I said, I'm not specifically here for I, I can broadcast and shout into the ether, but as long as it is falling onto the ground for someone to discover 10 years from now, like that's, that's, uh, that's really all I care about. Yeah. And, and I, and I do agree with you because I think at the heart of it, it's, it's what it means to me to be a writer. And it's funny for me to call myself a writer and it's not like, you know, a name tag label, like in my heart of hearts, I feel like I'm a writer and a writer is so much more than the time you spend putting words on a page or writing every morning at dawn, you know, over a typewriter and all this shit. Like it, it's, it's how you think about the world and how you want to express something when you know words are going to fall short, but you do it in spite of that. And there's a process of observation and capturing and transmutation and creation that comes along with it. And I think that's something I carry across all the different things that I do, you know? And so I, I'm really enjoying the direction where this is going. And I didn't, I honestly coming into this, I didn't think, think about how relevant this was going to be to literally my life right now. So I, (laughs) I'm literally in the middle of like about to literally get an LLC for the business that I've been doing. So I call what I do gig craft because one, it sounds like witchcraft, which I think is just fun. I think it's just fun to have that too. It's a play on, you know, being a gig worker and that being a part of my craft and my craft really being my career. And over, thankfully, the only amount of productive brain juices I've had during, you know, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, has been really marinating on on my next chapter of things. And I was speaking with a friend and she basically was pointing out to me like, oh, you know what you do? All the stuff that you do is media. You work in different media. I'm a book editor. I've been a book editor for a few years now. I've gotten into video production and editing and it's something I've, I had described at one point in time being a pipe dream or like, oh, if I could go back to school and do it, which was another <laughs> aspect of, Screw grad school, I'm getting a second bachelor's degree and I finished that in two years. Easy cake. 
Um, and I, and I've done some social media work and I've done other things and, and there's different mediums or multimedia or whatever. So it, having some of that, that clarifier come together has motivated me to, to basically finally quit thinking and complaining about it, get my shit together and put my foot out into the world. But the challenge that comes with that is being a creative professionally. And my boyfriend is a musician. He's in a band, Morning Trips. Everyone go listen to them on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you stream music because it's dope. Um, and also that's how I get to use a lot of music in my YouTube videos because it's royalty free. I have permission from the band. <laughs> but my, my boyfriend, he's in a band. He's an audio engineer. And 90% of my friends in my area are musicians or creatives in some way. And and specifically musicians or bands, you're, you're, there's a creative aspect to it, but you're also running a business and, and you have to think a little bit strategically if there is a, the, the intention of, I want to make a living off of this in some way. Maybe it's not the only way I make a living, but I want to do it in some way, or I want to reach more people on social media or whatever. So that's where it gets a little challenging of how do I stay authentic to myself, to what I do and how I create while also essentially marketing myself. And you could do that as much or as little as you want and be as organic. Like for instance, something like this, you know, or what I, I'll use myself as an example. I'm not going to put you under a microscope, my man. Um, I've mostly just been sharing stuff to my Instagram and my Facebook page. So it's all my friends, people who've known me since high school. That's been my audience primarily, right? But I'm not necessarily always making stuff for them or uh, want them to be my only audience. But essentially, even me just dropping a link of, I've uploaded a new video. It's, I've marketed myself, I've advertised myself. But as a creative, we don't wanna think about those things necessarily. Do I think you have to do that? No. I think you just have to really consider what are your intentions, what's your motivation, and to not be afraid to say, hey, I have this new thing out, go look at it, go watch it, go listen to it, what have you. And it's okay to do that. It's not being a sellout to literally ask someone or just say, hey, if you want to support me, just click the thing, hit the thing, like the thing, what have you. Um and that's, and that I think is, you know, worth talking about. It's an ongoing conversation that I've had over the last couple of years with people. I have been involved in local independent media for a long time, uh, specifically in Pensacola. And I would like to do more of that stuff in Atlanta. Now that I'm job free, I will head down some more of those avenues. But the really interesting thing about working in the DIY independent community is like, people love to support each other. Like that's one of like the most wholesome, nice things is at the end of the day, I have like a, a group of people who I have been culturing and cultivating over the last couple of years who like are at least going to click it and look at the thing that I made. And I have somewhat of an established personal brand. They're like, for instance, another person who's going to be on our show is Nathan Morona. And he is in a band called NASCAR Noir. He used to be in my band Midlife. But whenever I was doing my... Um, my live stream, I needed some music and he I hit him up. I was like, hey, can I use your music in this thing? The reason I wanted to use his music was not necessarily because it was the, the best music for the stream. It was fantastic music for the stream, but it's more like 
I want that cross pollination. I want someone to hear this song and be like, that's a great song. I want to know who that's by. And then, you know, I want to support a local. I don't even want to necessarily call it a local scene. I just want to support the people I love who I know are is good people. For a while, I was putting out music by other people uh, with a record label I used to run called DTFH, which was Drive Through Funeral Home. And after I kind of got out of media, I stopped doing stuff like that. But there are bands that I put out there, and there were bands that my friend Michael and I used to put out with another little label we ran called Naked Eye. I was on Spotify, and on a Discover playlist, I found a song by a band that I had I had put out their first album like six years ago. And that was just like the nicest feeling and it's not like oh i know this person who's famous because they're not it's just like oh i was supporting that person whenever this wasn't here and and like in some small way i am a part of this thing and that makes me feel really good yeah it's like and that's the thing is we can all like play a part in each other's stories and i think like just being genuine about it and instead of like, oh, uh, we should do a collab because I think it'd be really good and we can, you know, give away a $5,000 camera and laptop and get a bunch of followers from like this very, very skin deep type of giveaway. Or, you know, like I do, I've been doing the same thing with not doing fake giveaways with obscene prizes, but in my YouTube videos, I have on a couple of occasions used music from the YouTube uh, back-end music library only because I ran out of music or didn't have a track to match what was going on in a particular part of the video or the vibe I was going for. But for the most part, most of the music that I've used in my videos, which pro tip, if your video looks a little like odd, add some music in the background. It ties a lot of things together. It makes a huge difference for polishing it off. But I've used songs from my boyfriend's band morning trips or i've even asked my boyfriend to send me tracks and demos that he's made because he'll make stuff when he you know has the creative you know intuition to do something or he'll mess around and he'll usually send me stuff just to be like hey what do you think of this and i'm like yes can i uh please use this in a video because this is dope and that's kind of where that vibey lo-fi type of just chill in the background thing comes in because that's the kind of content I like because I can engage with it and watch it or I can like kind of leave it on and and it's like I'm hanging out or creating a certain vibe but but I've done the same thing as there's another guy that I'm friends with his name is Ian Bryce and his it's just him and he plays all the instruments in his in his uh studio tracks but his music is loose bolts the he calls himself the boy with the loose bolts but I've use some of his music as well. And thankfully I have a direct line to him so I can get permission. So when he blows up one day and all his music's copywritten, I can uh, be like, no, I've, I've had permission. This is fine. But I, I really genuinely hope that someone comes across one of my random YouTube videos with less than a hundred views and it's a loose bolts track or a morning trips track playing in the background. And I have the title cards up there if you're watching it so you can go click on it or I'll put I'll even make a caption saying like listening to and I'll put the band and the track title in there because I genuinely want someone to be like, oh, this is a cool beat. This is a cool song and go find it and go listen to it and follow that rabbit hole. Even if I was just, you know, a stepping stone to get to, oh, this is a cool new song or this is a cool band that I didn't know existed. And that makes me feel good of that, that being a possibility when I do stuff because, you know, I, I have resources 
to use to my advantage, but not in a manipulative, ill-intentioned way. Like, why wouldn't I want to work with other creatives that I genuinely love their work and genuinely want to support them? Specifically, maybe what you and I are both building to is the idea of building a community, which has always been sort of like my intention with with media. My favorite podcast is a relatively small podcast. It's called Jordan, Jesse Go, and it's a podcast that's been around for like 10 years, but it's it's inspired a lot of other really uh, important podcast and more popular podcast than it. From those early episodes, you kind of hear a group of people who come on who were not particularly prominent in any form of media. And they were just friends goofing around and talking. And like 10 years later, it's like, oh, this is a group of people who now have all gone on and like have infiltrated media. You know, their guests are like writers on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, uh, you know, writers on other big TV shows and the creator of the podcast, one of the creators, Jordan Morris, just had his audio podcast that he wrote called Bubble just got picked up by Seth Rogen to be made into like a feature length movie. And that's like just that's just tight as hell, right? I used to have this thought where I was like, well, I can never be that because I could never have those people on my show. It's so cool that 10 years ago, they knew those people that when they were nothing and I can't ever do that thing because how am I supposed to meet anybody that's going to ever blow up and become anything else? And then you realize that like, oh, people become popular because they support one another. And in Atlanta, I had like going to improv shows and stuff, right? But like, as I, I followed and I was, I was into going to Atlanta improv shows for almost an entire year before I ever thought to look on the improv theater that I go to's Facebook page. (laughs) And then I started seeing like, the people who are involved in that all have other projects and all of them are all guests on all of one another's shows and they come on to one another's quarantine live streams and stuff like that. And that stuff's all super tight. And like, that's the sort of, it, that's a community that I would like to be involved with. That is not a community of famous people right now, but with the resources of a place like Atlanta, a lot of those people by virtue of them all sharing each other, and supporting one another's content, some of those people are going to rise up and be, you know, big figures in media one day, probably. And if not, then there's still like a group of people with uh, the same sort of DIY, like ethos that are, are getting together and having a fun time making content that might get 900 views on YouTube, which is just fine. I would be happy just to know that somebody who I worked with and made a video with or did a podcast with heard another episode or heard saw another video and connected with somebody else through that same medium because those two people might link up and connect and build and make something else really cool. I think that we're all part of one giant continuous consciousness on this planet and that you and I are not separate people uh, other than the fact that we live in different bodies but in a way we are we are the brahman we are just uh the universe experiencing itself together so like why would i not be happy for somebody else for making it really big and why would i feel bad if i don't yeah i i absolutely agree with all all the things all the beautiful things one and i think this is where i i end up being a little bit of a hippie because like i do I'm like, why wouldn't I celebrate someone else's success? Because I have learned, especially I think over the last year, year and a half, because I just insist on not working a traditional job and finding my way creatively. And I've I've learned in this space, creative space or freelance space or gig worker space, whatever you want to call it, that other people 
aren't your competition. What you do, even if on paper it looks like what someone else does, like my boyfriend makes music, you make music. Cool, but you don't do the same thing, right? But also if we did make the same kind of music, then it would be fun to play on the same bill with that person. And like, normally you don't make music that's not like the kind of music that you like to listen to. Instead of being, and this is just like a personal mindset I've, I've tried to take on is like, some people are still in that that competition or I have to beat out other people, what have you, or be better, whatever. Like, push yourself, have your own goals, but don't poo-poo on other people. But it should be about a community. People who we admire, who we may call famous, or to varying degrees, there are people that I'm into, that I look up to. You know, for example, in the podcast sphere, sphere, if I can't say weird geometrical shapes. I didn't, I did not excel at math to a certain point in school. You can just say the podcast geodesic dome. <laughs> geodesic dome. I will go. not be able to say that again. One of my favorite podcasts is called Astonishing Legends. And when I started listening to it, it was a little bit smaller, but to me, I think it's a huge podcast now. However, I've interacted a little bit with one of the hosts, Scott Philbrick on Twitter and Facebook. I've chatted with him a few times. Very friendly and like, you know, cool stuff. Like it was cool to me that I could have some interaction with this person who's a real person, but I also only know him as a host on one of my favorite podcasts. My boyfriend about lost his shit when, when I'm like, oh yeah, I talked to Scott and he's like, that's crazy. He's famous. And to me, and my boyfriend, this person that someone else may not know out of context, you know, to me, I'm like, I look up to this person. To me, if I met this person, it'd be like I'm meeting a celebrity. Not that he is a celebrity. But, you know, I have a casual internet friendship with this person. And his wife is actually, she used to be a writer on SNL. And she was in the movie Wine Country with Maya Rudolph and those gals. And she is the first show creator, female show creator on Fox Network with an animated series, Bless the Hearts. So I'm like, oh, degree, Kevin Bacon's degrees away is this person doing really cool things, but they're not on like a cover of a magazine. So to reel back in my tangent and to agree with you, you don't know what can come of something or what can come of somebody that you know. Like, you can have friends from high school. You're going to get to your 10-year reunion and either they're going to be like all bougie and cool, whatever, like the trope, like the Romeo and Michelle high school reunion movie of, of chaos. Or you're going to show up and be like, wow, I celebrate you for your success or at least have a little bit of comfort in the bully from gym class is, is balding a little bit. Can I ask you a question? What's up? Are you a practitioner of witchcraft? I'm not. I've had, okay, I've had so many people <laughs> think that I'm a witch. I describe myself as a witchy woman, but specifically out of- Witchy woman totally sounds like the name of like a, like a Mungo Jerry song from 1973. Go on. Out of respect for other people who do practice witchcraft as a belief system specifically, and there are different sectors of- of magic and mm -hmm. just um, belief systems is the best way I can describe it without calling it a religion because religion is a totally different thing. Out of respect for people who 
use that specifically as a belief system or faith system. I don't call myself a witch or a pagan because that's not exactly what I do. But describing myself as witchy is more accurate because I feel like I'm akin to people who have that belief structure because a lot of, there's a lot of overlap within that, but I don't specifically use the lens or perspective of magic. I do kind of have rituals, but you can even call that self-care or maintenance or putting food in your body because you need to eat, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. whatever you want to call it. Well, I think to some people, so there's obviously there's different schools of magic. I personally am a practitioner of chaos magic. There's, oh my you know, God, yes. There's <laughs> white magic, black magic, but like chaos magic is like the, is the magic that doesn't have rules, but that doesn't mean that there's not a structure to it necessarily, but it's the magic you assign a structure to. So if I were to say like, I, I kind of feel like I, I would be cheating if I were to say to somebody that I'm a magician because it's like, I'm not an Aleister Crowley. I understand that there is a, some sort of un, unseen force exists in the universe, and I think that there is a way for you to acknowledge it, if not outright manipulate it. And I think that the, the chaos magicians of the world tend to maybe get the bad name amongst people who practice magic. Uh, but I think that to understand magic and to even understand those other schools of magic to look a little bit into chaos magic and to understand oh like this is a because it's a contemporary practice of magic chaos magic started in the 1970s it sort of like looks at magic and it looks at the forces that play behind magic through a much more contemporary angle and so even though it is a little bit it's woo woo like that's the word that i can think <laughs> it's woo woo it's like oh, i'm a little, a little woo woo, woo, woo. I, i'm woo woo for i'm sure. woo woo you're woo woo one of my favorite people in the entire world uh alan watts philosopher alan watts said that there are two kinds of people in this world there are prickly people and there are goo people like there are world people that think that the world is made up of prickles and there are people that think the world is made up of goo, right? And prickly people are kind of more like rationalist people and goo people are a little more woo-woo. And he's like, well, the truth of the matter is that the world is made up of prickly goo. It's not one thing. It's kind of like the lens through which you're you're looking out at everything. But like, I, there was definitely a, a time in my life where I, I thought that anyone who practiced any of that sort of stuff or anyone who even entertained the idea, even of something like tarot, people who would like entertain that, I was like, well, that's silly. <laughs> But now I'm like, yeah, sure. Like maybe tarot is not magic in the sense that I used to think that it was. But I think there is an energy that you are controlling whenever you are practicing tarot in the same way that there is an energy that you're controlling when you're using a Ouija board. It's not like I'm saying that those because they're not even those are not necessarily similar things. You are using a conduit of like a card on a piece of paper to look into the universe and look out into the universe. Yeah, absolutely. You're a tarot person. I am a tarot talk, person. Talk tarot to me. Talk tarot. I will talk tarot to you. I literally have some behind me, but I wasn't prepared to bring them out. For audio format, this may not be conducive. However, I um, recently did a video where I didn't plan to talk in about- In a fort. Yeah, in a pillow fort. I, I did not intend on talking about tarot, but I ended up talking about tarot. I used to run a tarot reading business. However, shoot, maybe a year and a half ago now, I started to, to reel that back because there was a little bit of, I just wasn't feeling called to use it with other people. I was actually using tarot more with myself. And it's really funny when I first started reading tarot and working with my mentor a few years back, 
I remember her and a couple of other people telling me like, you really shouldn't read tarot for yourself. It's hard to do. Your ego gets in the way. You know, you're going to read what you're going to want to read. But what I worked on through my own tarot study and discovered for myself is if I pull out a spread or make a spread, which you can use one if you want, because they can represent questions, they can represent um, different areas of your life, or you can literally just lay out cards and read them like a book. That's what I did for many years is just lay them out and read them like a story. Um, but if I lay out a spread for myself and write out some questions or some wonderings like, like what does God's source want me to know about this or how can I let go of whatever ailment and, and more of an emotional ailment that's bothering me, I noticed that if I were to journal the responses instead of just looking at a card and like I would for a client and talk and have a conversation, I could have a conversation with myself with a journal. And I would actually, probably about two sentences in, would switch from first person to third person. And that's kind of when I know I'm channeling. It, and channeling is more of just like being in the flow. You don't have to, you know, be speaking in tongues or you're possessed by something. It's you're in alignment with a higher source, the higher source, whatever you want to call it. You're in alignment. You're feeling groovy. You're aligned with your higher self that, you know, is a part of the universe, a part of everything else. And then you're connected and have access to all that information. And you are receiving that information and it's up to you to interpret that information or to use that to inform yourself. One of the things I talked about in one of my more recent YouTube videos when I pulled out my tarot card and I was delirious because it was very late at night, um, one thing I say is a deck of cards isn't magical. Like it doesn't hold power. A deck of cards can be special if someone like illustrated it and it's a new design or it's handmade, whatever. Like there there are contextual things that can make it special, but there's no magic in it. There's nothing significantly uh, powerful about it. The thing that, you know, gives it something to be special is, is you. It's the person using the cards. It's the person handling the tool because they're essentially a tool. I call tarot cards a conversation starter. And it's a conversation starter between maybe you and your higher self. I know other readers who will use tarot to work with their mediumship. So they're speaking to maybe someone's guides or people on the other side. I don't do that stuff because I don't want to talk to dead people. I have said that many times and I've made that very clear. I have no desire to do that. I'll talk to them when I get there one day in the future, a long time from now, um, or or what have you. So you're you're using it as a conversation starter, and that's what I tell people because I would get asked all the time, "How do you read tarot? How do you go about doing that? Do you have to memorize all these things?" Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, "Well, that would be no fun if you had to memorize every single thing, unless you really really wanted to." But it's it's just a conversation starter between your own intuition and the magic that's actually like in you. I was about to say the magic was in you all along. That was my, that was my, that was my first thought was when you were like, it's it, the magic's not in the car. So I'm like, the magic's in your heart, but it's true. It the is. magic is in your heart. It's if your heart is the colloquial term for the thing, the, the conduit of your own spirit, the conduit of your life force, your life force 
of course, which is so much more powerful than people even realize. You think that when you say when people mention your life force or your spirit, like it's this thing that lives inside of the it's like a ghost that lives in your bones and your body, your spirit pervades much further outside of your body. I would say that that your life force exists within the consciousness of whatever really, I mean, I could say whatever room you're in, whatever space you're occupying is a much larger version of what that consciousness is you know if consciousness is a wave at one end of the wave you have the person who is vocalizing and is in inside of your body creating a timbre with your vocal cords and your brain neurons firing but then that consciousness flows into your living room and it flows into the town that you're in and and it flows out into the rest of the world and it's just like it is an infinite wave that is broadcast into the universe. And maybe the only receiver is in your body right now. That's the only thing that you can necessarily manipulate. But I do think that in the same way that you use tarot is like a, a conduit to look into your future or past, but really to look into yourself and to look inward. You're turning the tarot deck into a receiver for your consciousness in the same way that your body is just naturally a receiver of your consciousness. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it, and it helps you to interpret a lot of the information you receive that you don't really pick up on, like vibrationally, the frequencies around you. One thing I always want to get the record straight when it comes to the woo-woo and specifically people who are into or have heard of the law of attraction, because that was my introduction to my spiritual journey is what I'll call it. And one, the law of attraction is really only one of many universal laws. So really, I subscribe more to universal law. And it one thing that you'll kind of learn about under the law of attraction is like attracts like. And it attracts it by the vibe or frequency. And many people get into the law of attraction um, in the vein of like a self-help book because it's like, I want to manifest money. I want to manifest things, which by the way, there's no, there's nothing wrong with wanting the things. You can want the things all you want. Like there, I have absolutely no judgment or shame for people. Like I want money. I want to have money so I can like give it to other people and whatever, but everyone wants money <laughs> because they don't want not money. That's the yeah. thing. You're not you're not obsessed with money. You're people are obsessed with not having money. That's what they're obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. And and there's, you know, scarcity mindset and how you think about things, but really what learning about the law of attraction and universal law will teach you is your thoughts create your reality, which the thing I want to set the record straight about is your thoughts create your emotions. It's your emotions that create your reality. Damn, that's the promo right there. That's going in the promo. Did you guys hear that little clip of audio? Hey, welcome to the promo. This is the promo for the show, and that was in it. All right, go on. <laughs> That's the thing a lot of people get wrong about the law of attraction. Or Can you can you give a, just a brief overview of the law of attraction? So the law of attraction is what you think about is what you receive. So if you're thinking about positive things, you'll receive positive things. If you're thinking about negative things, you may receive negative things. However, you could perceive something to be negative and receive things that you perceive to be negative. So the universe, God's source, whatever you want to call it, doesn't really differentiate between what you want and what you don't want. It's how much you think about something and your emotions behind that thing. So if you're going around all day thinking about, 
I really don't want my car to break down. I don't want my car to break down. You're focusing your attention on what you don't want and you take away the don't or whatever, it's a broken down car. Eventually you're going to receive some sort of car trouble at some point. There is a delay. So even if you think about something, it doesn't mean it's suddenly going to change all of your reality. However, a single thought can kind of shift your reality, but that's more of when you have an epiphany. The thing that I wish people would understand more is it's not really what you're thinking about or what you desire or what you're trying to manifest or what you're trying to create. It's it's literally your your attitude and your emotion because that is your vibe. That is the frequency you set off. And the frequency you have the majority of the time will attract things that match that frequency. So if you are in a bad mood, you're going to attract things that are going to continue to reinforce and give more momentum to that bad mood. You're going to stub your toe. The faucet's going to leak. You're going to run late to work, whatever. And like those days happen, but there, there's like an energetic chain reaction that once it kind of gets going and gets some momentum, it's kind of hard to stop. So I'd, I wish people would focus more on the emotional aspect than the, I just have to think about it and fake it. Because if you can think happy thoughts, but not feel them, and that's not going to be effective. And I think that applies to chaos magic as well. Yeah, it definitely does. And like an analogy that I like to use is like, so when you talk about your energy and your frequency, think about like, like a, a visualization, like you would see in a textbook of like, of frequency or a wave It like, it almost looks like a stretched out slinky, right? So if you are a stretched out slinky and stretched out slinkies get caught up in themselves, but if there are a bunch of other stretched out slinkies that are also around you, you're likely to get tangled up in the one that is the same frequency or shape that you are. You're just like, you're going to pass through each other and be attracted to each other more naturally. It's going to be a lot. And like, the thing is, is that if you are a, a tightly wound spring and you're not open to, to prying yourself open into moving up and down the, the spectrum of energy, if you will, like you are you are going to stay in that realm of 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 like rationalist people who think that everything is going to be bad because everything right now is bad when in reality if you look at the situation and you kind of remove yourself from the situation i think that you can you can generally look at the direction that the world is headed in even when things are going bad and you can see that like i mean if you think of like the Taoist perspective, which is that like we're, we're constantly on a pendulum swinging back and forth. It like sometimes things are good and sometimes things are bad, but it's never it's never so good that it's not going to swing back to bad, and it's never so bad that it's not going to swing back to good. But if you look at like the Tao, it it seems to continuously be swinging a little more towards good all the time. And that, to me, is like the progress of the universe. Everything is just getting a little bit better all the time for the world. And if you let things get a little bit better for you, you will have bad days and you will have bad things that happen to you. But if you follow along that path and you say, like, in the long run, I know that things will work out. And if you say, well, what if I die? You're like, well, that worked out, didn't it? Like, that's fine. It, it, you're you're only as good as you are in the present moment. You all, all you are is the present moment. As long as you can remain cool and collected and positive in that moment, not very much can, can hurt you. Like, the bad things can happen. A bad thing is only as bad as your reaction to it. So if you can internalize that and say, I'm going to try and remain positive in the moment. Well, that's not even that. You can say, like, I'm going to 
I'm going to just remain in this moment and let it sink in. And when something hurts, let it hurt. Put your ego to the side and say, I'm going to feel this pain. A big thing that I say a lot of the time that people get annoyed by is gotta have hurt to know what good is, right? Like your sweet is only as sweet as 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 you know what the other side is. Alan Watts called that the salt in the stew. Like you have to have something to give you perspective on what good is or else you wouldn't think anything is ever good. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks and one of the things that specifically gets talked a lot about and it's what you're talking about is the contrast. So the bad days, the negative things, the potentially traumatic experiences, or even just like, you know, a frustrating, you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed type of day. That's that's contrast. And if there was not contrast, you would not set off new, quote, rockets of desire. You have something go wrong and you didn't know that you wanted the opposite of that until that thing went wrong. And so now you have a new desire. You have a new thing to align to. And that's a very topical day-to-day thing. But if you're experiencing contrast in the moment and say it is something slightly traumatic or potentially really traumatic. Be in your emotions, but don't drown in them. Because the other part that I love a lot about talking about manifestation and the law of attraction is that your emotions are actually your cosmic GPS. So when you have what we call a negative emotion, it's really more of an indication of you're not in alignment, you're not your true self, or what you're feeling is actually the opposite of what's true. So if I'm having a day where I'm shit talking myself in my head and I feel that like like boulder in my stomach and I'm just all kind of upset, like I'm physically having a reaction to it, I feel terrible about it, it's because the things I'm telling myself, the negative things I'm telling myself are inherently not true. My higher self and God source, whatever you want to call it. And I keep adding that clarifier on there for, for anyone listening. I like God source. God source is a good word for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. God source is, is like, it's like, it's religion neutral. You're not saying God, but you're also not, not saying God. You're like, whatever the thing is. Whatever the thing is for you. When you have an adverse reaction to specifically in this example, negative self talk, it's because your higher self. God's source knows that that is the opposite of what's true. That is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. And that's where you kind of go down the the rabbit hole of what does it really mean to be a positive person? And I think that's a fun direction to go. But I'm really interested to, to hear what you think about this. So you you mentioned chaos magic. I love that you did. I only know about it because I listened to last podcast on the left and that's how One I get of my all that. Podcasts. <laughs> that's so how I get I... all my information. Um, they moved to Spotify, which I still have mixed feelings about. So I, I... Will say, I want to say really quick, I'm going to broadcast this out into the world. Last podcast on the left, moving to Spotify gave all of their employees health insurance and that's all you need to know about it okay that's good yeah that's 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 beautiful and i love that i was supportive but i was mostly just from a user experience thing was a little skeptical but i love them and i love them enough it's not the best podcast app i'm not gonna lie i don't I don't particularly think that it's a a bad podcast app. I I don't think it's unreasonable for somebody to say, I don't like listening to XYZ show on this platform. But I do think it's unreasonable for somebody to be like, how dare this podcast that I get (laughs) for free move to a thing where I have to download another app on my phone. Like that's just... I know. I saw people on the subreddit were like, this is the final straw. I'm unsubscribing. I'm like, what were the other straws? Like... (laughs) 
What? I don't know. Go on. We're, talk- we're talking chaos magic. We, we, we're talking chaos magic. And so in addition to my belief that we create our own reality, I also believe you can choose your own reality. It's a fun little game you can play in the world. And right now I've been choosing my own reality in the midst of, of the Roni in the world. So I have a spectrum of Facebook friends and I'm specifically calling them Facebook friends for, for personal reasons. You have a spectrum of acquaintances whose dogs and children you see online. Yes. And that I've had uh, different reasons for connections over the years. And on one end of the spectrum, I have seen people within a select number of people within the spiritual community hop on the um, adjacent train to the QAnon stuff. And I only know about QAnon because of another podcast that I listen to called Rumor Flies, which they're great as well. If you like Snapple facts being debunked to listen to Rumor Flies, but they talked about QAnon. And so I'm aware, I'm aware. And none of this stuff I'm like totally shocked by because I've been into the conspiracy theories I watched that whole fall cabal thing on YouTube that was being sent around in some sectors, which for me, into into conspiracy theories, nothing new to me. Fine. But I'm watching this narrative within a group of people that I'm acquainted with play out, and I'm observing what's going on, and there's a lot of fear-based uh, communication. There's a lot of if you aren't waking up to this, you're you're a sheeple. A sheeple type of talk. And I'm someone who's like, unless it's literally knocking on my front door, happening to my body right now, or to or something is happening or affecting someone immediate to me, it does not have to be a part of my reality. And the first, you know, couple of weeks of sheltering at home was basically a prolonged stretched out low grade panic attack because my reality was watching the news and what was happening collectively for everyone this was collectively traumatic for for the entire world to some to varying degrees but once I adjusted and I already work from home so not too much has changed besides not walking through Target for an hour to buy things I don't need I've adjusted and I've decided that's not a part of my reality. This narrative that there's this satanic cult running the the deep state of the world and there's all these um, reasons behind, uh, quote unquote, real reasons behind this this pandemic, yada, 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 5G is terrible, yada, yada. People keep calling it plandemic. And let me just say, that's a bad name. Plandemic, that actually sounds... That'd be reaffirming to me. You were like, we've got a plan. It's fine. I'm like, hell yeah. This is, you know what, my pandemic? Stay at home. Stay at home. Stay out of the way because ultimately it doesn't, it's not affecting me and I'm not choosing to let it be a part of my reality. I think that's something you should absolutely apply to other things. Like don't ignore something you should not ignore. But a lot of this stuff is optional. A lot of this stuff we consume or pay attention to or listen to from people is optional. And that's where you should be woke. Can I tell you, I think that like things got a lot worse for the collective consciousness when we moved to a 24 hour news cycle. I'm not one of the conspiracy theorists who will say you should just turn off the news. I think that you should watch the news so that you can get a perspective of what the media thinks sometimes. Like Like no one, like my dad, God bless him. He watches like 
four hours of CNN a day. That's too much. They're not saying they've got, they have the, they're saying the same thing every 15 minutes for, for, for 24 hours, basically. And occasionally there's a, a small change. Another really cool piece of advice that I saw online, um, one of my favorite artists, Akira the Don, who is does he makes this music I think you'd be really into. It's called Meaning Wave. He calls it a psychotechnology to kind of like mod your own consciousness. It's very, very cool. It's got like a lot of like, uh, he'll take a, I know I'm off on a tangent, but I want to talk about it. He'll take like a lecture given by somebody and he will break it down into like lo-fi trap music and so this thing that you might would have listened to one time before because it's got a rock and beat behind it you'll listen to it one like it's like now some of my most played music and that is like where i got a lot of my alan watts stuff and that's how i like got turned on to him and that's how i got turned on to terence mckenna and uh, other people in that same vein and anyway he one of the things that he talks about on his twitter page is how one of the best things that you can do is go into your settings on Twitter where like the trending page is and change your default language to a language that you do not understand and then to curate your own timeline the way that you want to see it. I I like to have multiple perspectives. I I cherish people who have different perspectives than me and who think differently than me, but one thing that I don't appreciate is Twitter telling me constantly to one third of my page on Twitter being like, hey, here's some shit that you need to know about about the world that we decided you need to know. And when you click on it, you get to see the tweets that we decide you get to see. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Twitter is malicious, but I think that at times Twitter is misguided when it comes to what should be trending and what it shows you because it doesn't just show you the stuff that's most popular, which is what I think we all used to think that it did. Instead, it shows you the stuff that drives the most traffic to its site. And the thing that tends to drive the most traffic to its site is like people going there for whatever their version of news is. Yeah, I think you should should curate your timeline for yourself. You should make sure that you mix in a healthy dose of perspectives that you don't necessarily agree with. When you think of like a pair of 3D glasses, right? Mm -hmm. And like what that does is you have an image and then you have an image from a slightly different perspective. And whenever, you know, you put your 3D glasses on, it brings those two images together so that you can see a better picture, a more full-fledged fledged, fledged out picture of the world. Fleshed out picture of the world, sorry. It shows you a more fleshed out picture of the world. Yeah, I think that if you're just constantly looking at stuff online that tells you about how awful everything is, and and, you know, you have a bunch of Facebook or Twitter friends who just constantly talk about the bad news of the day and don't ever have anything positive to say. I'm not, I don't hate those people. I feel bad for them. I try and at least consume as much positive content as I can. And I know that not everything's great all the time. Like everything is not great right now and everything is not fine. But that doesn't mean that I have to sit here and, you know, you say like, feel those emotions, but don't drown in them, right? Like you just know that this is just a phase and that this is going to pass and, some bad stuff is going to happen, but all that bad stuff has to happen so that in this same reality, four years from now, some really tight shit can happen. There will be big sweeping change because of this, probably, if we let it. Yeah. One thing I wanted to to add on, because you said it, you quoted me, you quoted me, and it reminded me to add on that feel your emotions, but don't drown in them, but also know your emotions can't kill you. So when you're practicing just feeling them and not drowning in them... 
it's gonna feel like drowning, if, especially if you are not good at it yet. Like if you haven't had a lot of practice of just feeling your emotions, not drowning in them, but also remember you're not gonna die from your emotions. I say this as a person who recently over the last six to eight months started experiencing like real adult anxiety, like anxiety affecting me, like I'm checking my heart rate and throughout the day, some days I've had panic attacks. I did not experience that as a teenager. And I say all of this of as much in the moment it feels like my emotions are gonna kill me or I'm gonna die, it, it, it passes, it passes. So as you're working on curating the content and information of your life, like what you're receiving in the world, you know, know that nothing can really hurt you but yourself. You know, you, you inflict the most pain on yourself ultimately. Um, so that's why I think it is important to be, to be mindful. This is what people mean when it's, when they talk about being mindful is be intentional with what you're telling yourself and what you're feeding yourself, what you're receiving, what you're allowing to come in. And that's something I've definitely been practicing in a slightly different way because we are all at home. We are all on social media. And I don't think social media is bad. I actually don't think it is bad. I don't think it is inherently evil or whatever. I kind of take the the black mirror approach minus all the cool storylines of it's human nature in there. It's human behavior. It's up to human behavior to correct itself or adjust itself. It may just be elevated or have a little bit of a catalyst with technology. People have always been arguing. People have always been you know, on whatever propaganda bandwagon, trying to give you certain narratives. But now we live in an age where you have access to that from people all over the world, or you're funneled into a single narrative about stuff to where you don't even know what's really the perspective of most people out there. So yeah, I don't think social media is bad. I think how we use it is uneducated because it's so new. And for millennials specifically, we grew up with it. <laughs> you know, like it is just ingrained in us. But then you have something like TikTok come along and I'm like, I don't understand you. I don't but I, get it. I but I spend four it. hours on you. You know, that is a whole nother level. River, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. I'm sure that this will be the first of many appearances. Uh, this has been a very fun time. Please quickly plug all of your stuff. I am on Instagram at river.tc. Also, you can find my business at Gigcraft Media. I'm probably the only thing that's going to come up in Google. I'm on YouTube, River T. Chow. Um, and listen to my boyfriend's band, Morning Trips. Listen to my friend Ian's band, Loose Bolts. You can find them on all the things. I love them. They deserve way more attention than I do because they're way more talented than me. And that is the trope of being creative. High Strangeness is an unfunny production. Our theme song is To Wake Up by Crystal Coast from the album 3. All the other music here is them too. If you have a question or you just want to tell me some dumb shit, email highstrangecast at gmail.com. You can find me, Al Mirabella, on Twitter at at unfunny underscore official. Or you can follow our show at at highstrangecast. If you like the pod, consider telling a friend or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, folks, stay safe, stay stranger.